0: the experience where uh, you went through something kind of crazy and uh, a little bit later you, you really thought about what you just went through in that experience and you thought, I could have died. Have you ever had that experience? Uh, and I don't mean like if you fell off a cliff and like broke your leg or you got like shot in the arm and you're like, oh, I could have died. I mean, if you had that experience, I, I know you thought you could have died, but but maybe just kind of subtly you had an experience in life and you kind of thought about it rationally a little bit later of like, I could not be here right now, and yet I am. I, I had that experience a couple weeks ago. Uh, it, it was during our VBS as a church, and I, I started my day just like I start every day. I came out of my house with my backpack on that had my computer and iPad and my books, my Ecclesiastes commentaries and all those things, but this day was different because I was coming to the VBS, I had some meetings scheduled at coffee shops, and I never made it to my office to open up that backpack and work on my computer. And yet I I get to the end of the day and I start to think, I don't know where that backpack with that computer and that iPad and those Ecclesiastes commentaries is. And my first thought was, somebody must have stolen it. You've been there? It's not that you lost it. Somebody must have stolen it. And that's kind of what I think, but I I look everywhere for it, like the backseat of the car, my house, did I really even leave with it in the first place? I called that coffee shop and asked them, hey, do you see my backpack? And nobody can find it. So what I did was I go to my Find My Device app on my phone, and I see my computer three hours ago at an intersection in Central Phoenix that I've never been to. And I start to think, legitimately, somebody did steal my stuff. And instinctively, I didn't really think about it. My wife had just gotten home at the end of the day as well. And I said, babe, come on, we're going to find my stuff. And it was three hours ago, it was at this intersection. We weren't really thinking through this very well. Okay, so we show up at this intersection. We're like, we see nothing. We, see, we don't see my Herschel Gray backpack anywhere to be found. And, 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 but my Find My app, uh, Find My device app starts to update. And it starts to say, oh, eight minutes ago, it was at this street. And so we drive over to that other street. And we see nothing. It, it ended up having us on the canal. We're walking up the canal, trying to see because it was like three minutes ago. It was at the canal, and then all of a sudden we look at the Find My Device app and we see just now it's at this address. And I'm like, "Babe, drive to this address. Let's go right now." And so we go to this address, and it was kind of crazy. Like our kids' director was here at this point. Like it, it was a team effort. People, uh, we called the cops. They didn't come. That's a different story. But but they had a pastor and a pastor's wife and a kids director. Like, we got this, right? And so we go to this address. It says, just now it was at this address. And my wife and the kids director at our church were just outside, kind of just talking to people. Like, have you seen this gray backpack? Have you seen this computer anywhere? And uh, they're trying to do that. And I just wander off in the store and I'm just looking down aisles for my gray backpack. And I think, if I stole a gray backpack, where would I go? And I thought, back corner. I've never stolen anything, but I just thought if I did, that's something I would do, right? And listen, I go to the back corner and I see a shopping cart and I see a guy and a girl and I see multiple backpacks. You see, they were stealing from that store and they had stolen a lot of stuff, but I see my backpack, my gray, Herschel, glorious backpack at the front of that shopping cart. And I listen, I didn't think about it. And some of you think this is stupidity. I say courage. I didn't even think about it. I grabbed my backpack. They were standing right there. I just grabbed my backpack, didn't think anything of it, and I walked away. And I went to the front desk because I thought they can't shoot me if there's like people around and clerks around, although they could. Um... But I was just like, hey, this is my backpack. This guy stole from me. He's stealing from you guys right now. That guy comes up to me and approaches me. True story. I start pulling the stuff out of the backpack because he had shoved it like with toilet paper and shoe polish and all these random things. And I see my computer that has Love Move stickers on it. I'm like, this is mine. He said, no, that this is my brother's. I said, I'm the pastor of this church. Do you go here? And he kind of softened a little bit and was like, oh, no, 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 yeah. And I took a picture of him. He kind of ran outside. He pulled the knife out and then ran away uh, from my wife and our kids' director. See, they were scary people. They're the right people for the job. And like, there's so much I could tell you about that story. The one thing I will tell you is I came back. We thought my iPad was gone. We came back, looked in the parking lot. There's this lady walking with my iPad just strolling through the parking lot. And we said, hey, is that, is that, did, is that your iPad? She said, yeah, I just bought it for 150 bucks. And I said, well, I preach, I use the pastor thing again. (laughs) I said, well, I preach from that every Sunday. It's really important to me. Could I have that back? And she said, oh, I'm so sorry. Like she turned around, she was walking away from us. She turned around and said, here you go. And so we gave her some cash and a gift card and said, I'm so sorry this happened to you. And I walked away with my computer and my iPad. Praise Jesus, how did that happen, right? Yeah. And it was one of those moments where, listen, I mean, it honestly took me days to come down from that adrenaline high, but it only took me a few hours to think about that scenario and to think, that could have gone way different. (laughs) Like, that guy could have had a gun. He had a knife. He could have used it on me or my wife or our kids' director, like, and I thought, like, I could have died, and I think some of you have probably had, maybe not that crazy, but you've had a similar experience in life where you really start to rationally think about what you just went through and you're like, man, I could no longer be here right now, and yet I am. Now, why tell you that? We're in a passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 today where Solomon is going to remind you, hey, you are going to die, and you don't know when it is. And yet, right now, you're still alive, so what do you do about it? That's the sermon. In fact, the sermon title, if you take notes, you can write this down. How do you deal with death? How do you deal with death? We're gonna see what Solomon says about how we live in light of death. So Ecclesiastes chapter nine is where we're gonna be. Grab a Bible. If you don't have one, there's one right under the seat in front of you. You can pull it up on your phone. You can follow along on the screen. Ecclesiastes chapter nine. If you're new with us, we'll read a little portion, we'll break it down, we'll read a little portion, break it down, we'll do that a couple times. Ecclesiastes chapter nine, it says this. But all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and to the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner, and he who swears is as he who shuns an oath. This is an evil and all that is done under the sun that the same event happens to all, death. He says, also the hearts of the children of man are full of evil and madness is in their hearts while they live and after that they go to the dead. But he who is joined with all the living has hope for a living dog is better than a dead lion for the living know that they will die but the dead know nothing and they have no more reward for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished. Forever they have no share in all that is done under the sun. Here's our first point, point if you take notes. Life is a gift. Life is a gift. If you look at those first few verses, Solomon is really summarizing what AC preached on last week. That the good people suffer. That wicked people prosper, that in this life, we've been talking about it the whole series, this life under the sun, life apart from God, it's not fair, it's not just, that, that, that good things seem to happen to bad people, and bad things seem to happen to good people, but Solomon says, here's one thing that levels the playing field, it's death, that no matter what short-term outcomes people have, like highs or lows or victories or defeats, everyone has the same long-term outcome, and it is death. And some of you who have been with us in the series are like, here we go again. Like Solomon keeps talking about death. Why? Well, you gotta remember what section of the Bible we are in. We're in the wisdom portion, wisdom literature of our Bibles. It's often poetical. It's often philosophical. It's often cyclical. He comes back to the same topic over and over again to add nuance to it. And because we need to be reminded of these crucial topics in life. Topics like death. And as I studied this again and studied death again from Solomon, I I couldn't help but think, you know, Solomon really shouldn't have to preach this to us over and over and over because our our world preaches this to us every day. Our our bodies preach this to us every day that we are going to die, right? Uh, Me, I'm turning uh, 40 in the next couple months. And I know there's some risk in me sharing my age right now because many of you are thinking like, wow, he's young. And some of you are thinking like, oh my gosh, he's old. It's my age, people, okay? Just let me experience it, all right? But yes, I'm 40 and my body is starting to preach to me that I'm going to die, Right, Uh, just the other night I was at my daughter's track meet, she's getting her track on, I have our two little kids over in the grass, and there's like three hurdles just randomly placed in the grass, and I had the genius idea, dressed how I am dressed now with these same boots on, I'm gonna try a hurdle. (laughs) And I thought again, like I could have (laughs) died. But I didn't die, I made it over the hurdle. But I clipped the hurdle with my foot, and it hurt, Enough where I had to go take an ibuprofen and put an ice pack on it that night. One hurdle did that to your pastor, right? How many of you know your bodies are breaking down? They're preaching sermons to you that you are going to die. And some of you think, Tim, thank you for such an uplifting sermon this morning. (laughs) Welcome to Phoenix Bible Church, right? And no, Solomon's just trying to make it real for you. Like I told you at the beginning of this series Solomon, Ecclesiastes, it's not positive encouraging, K love. It's not. But it's honesty, it's reality, and how you live in light of this reality. And we live in a time in 2022 where everybody's trying to numb the reality of death, like with kale and essential oils, and you're just like absorbing and inhaling everything in your body. I'm not going to die. I'm not gonna break down. So we do it even in the the death that actually occurs. And I'm not saying this is bad, but we have hospitals that take care of that. We have hospice that takes care of that. We have a funeral home that takes care of that. We'll do anything we can to deny and delay the decay, the reality of death in our lives. And so Solomon's just pushing it back to the forefront. You're gonna die. The mortality rate's 100%. But he doesn't leave us there. Thank you, Jesus. He brings us out of that. He brings us some hope. Look at verse four with me. He says this, but he who is joined with all the living has what? What's the word? Hope. He says, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. Now, some of you thought, well, we got some hope, but things just got weird. What does that mean? Here's what Solomon's saying. It would have made perfect sense in their day. You had dogs, you had lions, you had gross animals, that was dogs, and you had glorious animals, that was lions. Like in our day, I know like dogs are like have more value than kids. Some of y'all, come on. But not in their day. Dogs were gross animals. Lions were majestic animals. And Solomon's saying, hey, hey, but if a dog is alive, that's better than a dead lion. He's saying to you, hey, life may be hard. And listen, I know it is. Like, I watch the news too. Like, I know what's going on in the Ukraine. I know, and maybe don't know specifics about your life, but I know you have conflict in your life that doesn't seem to go away and there doesn't seem to be a solution for. I know that many of you have sin that's hovering around your life. I know that gas prices are spiking. I know that bills are piling. I know that. Life is hard. But Solomon's saying, life is also a gift. You know how you know? You have breath in your lungs. You're still alive. There's hope. And so I want to practice this right now because I know there's a lot of things going on in our lives. Would you just practice this with me? On the count of three, we're just going to take a deep breath in and let it out together. Will you do this with me? One, two, three. You know what that is? Hope a gift, and Solomon does. He he wants to tell you about the reality of death, but he also wants to point you to the gift of life. And so my question this morning is, do you embrace life as a gift like that? Or do you just take breaths all the time and just go about your business and keep scrolling on your phone? Do you embrace life as a gift? Because it is a gift. And Solomon wants us to see that, embrace that. You don't know when it's gonna be your time. You don't, like the intersection later today could take you out. People die at 30 who are healthy, fitness freaks who do CrossFit. People die at 80. Do you embrace life as a gift? Once we do that, then he's gonna tell us how we live our lives as gifts. Look at verse seven with me. Verse seven, he continues, he says, "'Go, eat your bread with joy, "'and drink your wine with a merry heart, "'for God has already approved what you do. "'Let your garments be always white. "'Let not oil be lacking on your head. "'Enjoy life with the wife whom you love.'" Preach all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life and in your toil in which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going when you die. Here's our second point. Life is a gift, enjoy it. Life is a gift, enjoy it. Solomon does something that at first glance seems really strange. He, he shifts from the complexity of death to the simplicity of life. Did you notice that? Verse 10, he talks about just working hard, very simple, very practical. Verse eight, he says, let your garments be always white, let not oil be lacking on your head. Uh, Symbolically, he's talking about holiness and the Holy Spirit of God, but just really practically in that day in a hot climate, white garments, oil on your head, it was soothing in the midst of the heat. And so he just talks about a practical comfort to go about your life. In in verse seven, I love this one. He says, hey, here's what we're gonna do. We're all gonna die. So here's how we respond to that. Eat dinner. (laughs) Did you notice that in verse seven? He said, here's what you do. We're all gonna die. Get some good food. Get some good wine and enjoy that. Have dinner. Some of you think like scripture's not relevant. It's hard to understand. Have you read it? It's very simple, it's very practical. Enjoy dinner, enjoy your spouse, enjoy marriage, work hard. Listen, I know we see three times like marry, joy enjoy. and joy. And, and I think we respond to that in two different ways. For some of us, we see this and we're like, these are some verses I can get behind. Like I, you never say amen in church, but you almost like grumbled amen in response to that verse about wine. You're like, I've been thinking about a verse for like a tattoo on my forearm and like, damn, this one's it. Drink wine with a merry heart. And some of you, if, you, if you're honest, you read portions of scripture like this and you're like, YOLO, it's let's go. Like sin, idolatry, like drunkenness, let's go. This is a church I can get behind and join. Where's the membership card? Some of you think that's okay. We can be honest in church. And then some of you flip to the other end of the spectrum. And to be honest, I can see it's on some of your faces right now. You are uncomfortable. You're like, okay, Tim, we're all going to die, like eat food and drink wine and enjoy it. And the reality is maybe you grew up in a legalistic background and and the way you picture God is this gigantic killjoy with this gigantic Bible and he's just like waiting to slap you in the face with it if you smile. Like some of you believe that about God and you live your life functionally like that in response to God. So I don't know where you are on each end of the spectrum, but don't overthink it is being really plain with you, so you really get this. Hey, life is a gift. What do you do? You enjoy it. That God is a good God, amen? He's also a holy God. This isn't a license to sin, right? Solomon is not appro- approaching this with like, hey, why don't you just be a, like a drunkard and a glutton? Like, no, we let scripture interpret scripture, right? And we know there's tons of verses that like, don't do that. So some of y'all, you need to cancel that one out. That's not an option on the quiz. We, we, we know that's not true. God is good, but he's holy. God's given us good gifts in his grace to enjoy with good friends, with good family, with other people who may be strangers, who don't know Jesus. And he talks about this really simple, practical idea of dinner, of getting a meal with people. That's how you make the most of life. And if you, again, if you look at the whole of scripture, this actually makes sense. See, 1 Corinthians 10 tells us, hey, whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. We look at the Passover, this great event in the Old Testament where God rescues the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. And how do they celebrate the Passover? With a Passover what? Feast. You look at the life of Jesus. How many times are you reading the Gospels and and it, it reads, when Jesus sits down with Matthew at his house, for a meal, When Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house and dines with him. There's one verse in the Gospels that says it plainly. Jesus says it himself. Hey, the son of man came how? Eating and drinking. We see when we get to heaven, what's one of the first things we get to do? The marriage supper of the lamb. We're all gonna die. What do we do? You sit down and have dinner. It's a holy moment. It's a deep moment. It's a time to honor God and experience his good gifts and thank him for it. Let me just tell you, in 2022, in the midst of Ukraine, in the midst of COVID, like some of you are like, oh, yeah, that's still a thing. Uh, In the midst of your conflict with your family, with your friends, I think we would do well to listen to Solomon's words and sit down and have dinner and thank God for his grace and goodness in our lives. Amen? Some of you, that's your homework today. Enjoy relationships, enjoy good food, enjoy good wine to the glory of God. Right? So how do we... How do we make the most of this life? We enjoy it, but we don't just enjoy food and meals. We enjoy marriage. Uh, As he he talks about these things to enjoy, he he says, enjoy the wife of your youth. He's talking about enjoying marriage, but what's interesting about this that he doesn't say about the meal is he says there's going to be toil with that. How many of you are married, but you won't right now, but you could say amen to that, Right? Some of you are just holding your wife's hand really tight and like, baby, you are not work, you are not toil. Listen, you'll need counseling soon enough, okay? Because the reality is we know what Solomon, he's saying something again, very practical and true, right? Marriage is God's gift for us to enjoy, but it's also work. There's toil with it. That's your portion in life. And we could do a whole sermon on marriage, but we're not going to today. But I would just say this. Many of us, we don't spend time working in and enjoying our marriage because we think too much about other people's marriage. Okay. Instagram anybody? Like that coworker you sit down and have coffee or beer with somebody and they're talking about their spouse and they just come home and cook dinner and clean the dishes and like they're ready for sex at any moment and you're like what? that's not how it works in my marriage. How come your marriage is so great? Or, or you just see it out there and you're just like, man, we got, we got problems, like we go to bed fighting. Or you know what, actually we gave up that a long time ago. We just go to bed not speaking to one another. We just fill our lives with busyness and extracurricular activities with our kids so we don't have to see each other. But everybody else, I mean, they just went on a vacation to Cancun. How do they do that in this economy? How many? If we spent that effort and that energy in comparison on our own marriage, working on it, to enjoy it, I just believe like marriages and families would be changed for the glory of God. Amen. 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 Like some of y'all, your your homework today, husbands, invite your your wife out on a date. Amen. Some of your husbands better say amen to that. Amen? Okay, okay, like this is what Solomon's, life is short. Don't waste your marriage. Don't spend time scrolling and not enjoying your spouse. It's a gift, will it take work? Yes, one pastor and author uh, said it this way, hey, we often think the grass is greener on the other side. And he says, if it is, that's because you haven't gone over to that grass and jacked it up yet. That's true. At one point, your spouse was that lush green grass. You know what happened to it? You. So Solomon is saying, hey, it's gonna be work. But it's a gift. It's a beautiful gift. Go enjoy it. Life is short. Don't think I'll get to it one day. Don't think I'll get to counseling one day if that's what you need to do. Don't think I'll join a community group one day. Do it now. You do not know how long you have. Enjoy your marriage. Enjoy a meal with good friends. Stop working and worrying so much that you don't spend any time enjoying God's good gifts. All right. Y'all got some easy homework today. Go eat a meal with other people and invite your spouse out on a date. And somebody first service said, you know, wives can invite their spouses on dates too. Yes, go for it. Enjoy life. Here's the last thing. Life is a gift, don't waste it. Life is a gift, don't waste it. Look at verse 11 with me. Solomon continues, he says, again, I saw that under the sun, the race is not to the swift, Nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net and like birds that are caught in a snare. So the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. He's talking about death. You don't know when it's going to happen. Verse 13. He tells us a story. He says, I've also seen this example of wisdom under the sun. And it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor wise man. And he, by his wisdom, delivered that city. Yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. The words of the wise, heard in quiet, are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Life is a gift, don't waste it. Some of you, you look at those first few verses, you're thinking, again, sounds like a broken record. This is cyclical. Solomon's bringing us back to this point. Like, hey, you can be wise in life, but at the end of the day, you're still gonna die You're not exempt from death. But then he pivots in verse 16 and he says, a wise life though is still better. And he gives us three ways in which it's better. He says, wisdom is better than might. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. Quiet words of wisdom are better than the shouts of fools. And some of you know this. You know that person who talks a lot and is just always yapping. And you know that even if that person says something wise, you've already tuned them out and you're not gonna hear it. And yet there's that wise man or wise woman in your life who doesn't say a lot, but maybe in your community group, they they speak up. What do you do? You lean in and you listen. And Solomon says, hey, life is short. Life is a gift. Enjoy it. Don't waste it. Hey, walk in wisdom. Don't get caught up in folly. Walk in wisdom. And, And he says it this way, that the quiet words of wisdom, are greater than weapons of war. He says, hey, these little things can have big impact. And again, scripture interprets scripture. If you look at the whole of the Bible, you know this to be true, don't you? Look at the Old Testament, you have Goliath, big, giant Goliath. What's God's remedy for that? He sent out the little shepherd boy. You have a world in the New Testament that is broken by sin, that the wages of sin, Romans 6, is death. Not just physical death, but spiritual and eternal death. How are we gonna solve that? Send a little baby in a manger. This is the way God works. Yeah, death is coming for us all. Life is a gift, life is short. Hey, little acts of wisdom can have big impact in life, more than weapons of war. They're that strong. That's the way God designed this thing. His power is made perfect in your weakness. But Solomon also ends with a warning and says, you know what, the opposite can be true. He says in verse 18, look at that verse. He says, one sinner destroys much good. How many sinners? Just one. Solomon says, hey, life is short. Life is a gift. Don't, Don't waste it on sin and folly. He says, just one sinner can destroy all the good around him or her. And how many of you, I don't have to tell you this, you've seen it with your own eyes. Maybe some of you have seen it in your family with divorce. And that one sin, that one sinner, that one adultery ripped your family apart. How many of you have seen it in countries? We're seeing it right now. There's just one sin, just one sinner messing up a whole country. How many of you have seen it in the church of Jesus Christ? Just one sinner in the church and leadership of the church. One sinner destroys all the good around it. A pastor, a friend of mine, every time he says it, it's sobering again. He said it this way He said, Hey, Tim, we're all one mistake away from ruining our lives. It's scary, right? But it's true. And in God's grace, Solomon is giving you the truth today. Hey, life is short. Every breath you have, that's a gift. Enjoy it but also walk in wisdom, even in the little ways, the little quiet words of wisdom and don't waste it on sin. And so how do we respond to a sermon like this? We're all gonna die, but enjoy life. walk in wisdom and don't screw it all up. Like, like I, I think the reality is for some of us, if we honestly think about that, like Tim, yeah, life is hard. I know death is real. I've experienced it, I've lost loved ones and, and I have a lot of fear in my life. And so you're asking me like add some stuff to my life to enjoy it, eat meals, enjoy my, my wife, my husband. You're asking me to walk in wisdom. But, but as I leave here today, there's just a lot of fear around death. You see, here's the beauty of scripture is we don't just have King Solomon, we have the King of Kings in the New Testament. We know that Jesus dies on the cross, but goes on to conquer sin and death through the resurrection. That's why we're asking you to RSVP on Easter. It's a really big deal. Jesus conquers death. And so we have the full counsel of God's word. We can look at all of his wisdom and see, yes, death is coming, Solomon, but we know the one who defeated death and we can live in light of that truth. That's our reality. If you know Jesus Christ this morning, you don't have to be afraid. Listen, when my backpack got stolen, like I told you the heroic story, what I didn't tell you is when I was talking to that guy, my leg was physically just shaking. Like I was scared out of my mind. I know we're scared. I know there's the Ukraine. I know COVID's still hanging around the corner. We're like, is it gone? I don't know. I know you're scared of that sin that could take you and your family. I, I know there's fear. But also know there's Jesus Christ who died to conquer death and fear. And that for the Christian, death is not the end. Amen? For the Christian, we can live in light of eternity. And then we can enjoy other people. We can serve one another. We can invite somebody over for dinner. We can take our spouse out for a date. We can walk in wisdom and invite other people to to come alongside us and not try to do this thing on our own. We can come to a a vision night at 4 p.m. today and plead with God and say, God, we don't wanna ruin this church. We want great kingdom impact for this church. We need you, we need wisdom. We need your power, we need your gifts in this church to see it ripple through this church to our city to bless people that are afraid of death who need to be invigorated with the life of Jesus Christ. That's how we respond. Let's respond together. Let's pray. Father in heaven, God, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for these sobering truths, but also these truths we can celebrate. Jesus, we know the full counsel of your word. We know that you conquered death and that for the Christian, death is not the end. So we can enjoy it. We cannot waste it in light of the Holy Spirit of God and the life of Jesus in us. But God, I know there's people this morning who aren't sure who you are and haven't given their lives over to you. They haven't given their death to you. They haven't given their life to you. And so, God, I just pray right now in this moment, they would stop listening to me and they would start talking to you. And God, they would just simply tell you, God, I want to give you my sin. And I want to give you my life. I want to give you my death. I believe in you. I believe that you died. I believe that you rose again to conquer my sin and my death. And God, that they would begin to learn what it means to enjoy life and not waste it. And God, I pray for the Christians in this room, who if we're just all honest in a moment, we're just distracted, we're just scrolling, we're just thinking about ourselves, our insecurity, our pride, we're waffling back and forth between those pretty much the majority of our days, and we're just We're just worrying and working and we're not enjoying life. We're not living in light of the resurrection. God, I pray that you would just grab a hold of us by your spirit and and cause us to to move this morning, to celebrate that you conquered death. How freeing would it be to see a whole church leave today with that kind of perspective? How many more people in Phoenix would be served? How many more people in our church would have dinners together? How many more marriages would be healed if that were to happen? God, we pray that it would. God, I pray for Phoenix Bible Church. I do pray for us as we meet today at 4 p.m. that, God, we would walk in, in wisdom. We would invite a good God who wants us to enjoy one another, enjoy life and help others do the same and see your goodness as well. God, we would be that kind of church that lives in light of the fact that you conquered death. Help us in that way. It's in your beautiful name we pray, amen.